0: Welcome back to Proactive, where I'm talking now to Hector McNeil. He is the co-CEO, founder and owner of Han ETF. And it is great to have you back on the line, Hector. How have you been keeping since we last spoke?
1: Very good, thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, the the Christmas break was fantastic, but uh, straight
0: back into the fire of the battle, really. So uh, all good. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, last time we spoke, you were mentioning that your uranium ETF is be, has been performing superbly well. I think you even mentioned that it was the best performing thematic ETF in the entire world, which is quite some accolade, really, isn't it? So uh, what's what's going on over there and why do you think people are uh, so keen on it? Well, I think
1: the, the uranium market is a fascinating one because I think the sort of paradigm has shifted in terms of, uh, you know, nuclear power being seen as a negative to it now being seen as a positive in terms of the fact that, uh, you know, it's the cleanest uh, uh, energy you can, uh, you can produce. Um, and uh, the, the, the problem with a lot of renewable energies is, you know, you've got to make sure that the sun shines and the, uh, the wind blows and the waves wave, right. You know, and uh, with nuclear power, it's pretty static from that perspective. It doesn't rely on the, uh, you know, the environment and the, and the, uh, and the weather. So, uh, so it's a really good baseline for that. So, uh, you know, uh, at various different conferences last year, many countries from the U S through to UK to uh, Europe and, and beyond have said that they're going to be looking much further into the uh, nuclear story. And then that drives the uranium prices and uranium prices are, uh, you know, driven by supply uh, issues and uh, you know, it's a very concentrated supply and uh, you know, places like uh, Kazakhstan, you know, have talked about supply issues, you know, which has driven up the price of uranium uh, problems with uh, obviously supplying out of Russia you know, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So ultimately, that's that's been a big driver. And EuronM, uh, which is our uh, uranium product, which we just went through three hundred million last week, you know, uh, and it's only been in the market for a little over a year. You know, uh, is eighty percent uranium miners and twenty percent physical uranium. So it's almost quite unique as a product that includes both the physical commodity and the miners themselves. So I think it's a great great way to play that market. And the performance has been very much there as well. And we've, we've, I think we've already had another $25 million in this month alone, and we're expecting more as we go along. So, yeah, very excited by that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, one of the points people have been making here on Proactive when we've been talking to people involved in the uranium trade is that a lot of the confidence that they're feeling at the moment is to do with the fact that it's very hard to set up a new uranium mine quickly. And so the elevation in prices is something that we that appears, nobody could say for certain obviously, that yeah. appears likely to be maintained just because it's so difficult to bring supply online uh, quickly.
1: No, I think that's nailed on. I mean, you know, most commodities—if you get them out the ground—it's a five-year gestation period to get them productive, right? So, you know, uh, and it's very hard to time that production with the markets. So, uh, so obviously, when the markets spike, you know, it pretty much is only the supply that's going on at the moment, and we've seen not only that demand rise, but also, you know, some of the big provide, you know, big uh, players in the market having problems with their uh, with their production. You know, which then squeezes the uh, supply, but the dem- doesn't dampen the demand. So you know, to- totally right. You know, it is very hard to turn the taps on when uh, when that happens. So uh, same with same with gold, same with the oil. You know, uh, when you when you're looking at new fields, you know. So I think from that perspective, it is a major driver to it for sure.
0: Let's stay with the theme of uh, bullish long term picture as well. And we had an article, I think, in the Telegraph yesterday from a NATO general saying that he anticipates there being a genuine old fashioned ground war between nato and russia uh within the next 20 years which is certainly very alarming but uh, certainly confirms i guess the thesis which underlies your nato etf doesn't it
1: yeah no it does uh you know unfortunately uh you know we 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 uh, we have a great strategy which is the future of defense which is uh you know looking at uh industrial and cyber companies that affiliate with the nato uh alliance and affiliates um you know, and, and we built that product like that because it is a defensive alliance rather than being offensive, you know, so we wouldn't have, you know, Chinese and Russian companies in there. You know, it purely is affiliated to, uh, you know, to NATO. And fantastically, we got the ticket NATO, which I can never believe, but we've got that. So, uh, but, but you know, you're exactly right. I think, you know, whether it is a war or isn't a war, you know, what's clear is everyone has to prepare for it. You know, and uh, I think, you know, given the... You know the the relative peace we've had, you know, for uh, for the last fifty years. Um, you know, people have probably took their foot off the pedal a little bit in terms of their their armed forces and supplies. You know, I mean, we can get our whole army in Wembley now, right? Which is uh, always amazes me. And uh, you know, we uh, you know we 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 we've spent a lot of money over recent years for things like aircraft carriers and destroyers, etc. But uh, you know, quite what's quite clear is we're not prepared for a war in the UK, and I think pretty much that's across Europe. I mean, Poland has stated. It wants to have the biggest army in Europe. It's currently got 150,000 troops. It wants to be 300,000, you know, because it's concerned because it's on the borders of Ukraine. You've, we've seen that Sweden and Finland are trying to join NATO as we speak. Uh, you know, there's always speculation across Ukraine. Um, and then, obviously, you've got the whole uh, scenario in the US, you know, spending the money. They've got challenges in the Middle East at the moment. There's obviously areas around the uh, the Chinese Straits, you know, which, uh, you know, is, is, is always a, a big question mark. I always... Wonder It must be very difficult living in Japan when you're uh, surrounded by Russia, North Korea and China, you know, and uh, no wonder they've got the fourth largest Navy in the world, right? So, uh, you know, I think that the, the reality is that, uh, you know, people are going to go well above that 2% requirement that uh, on GDP that NATO has. Uh, UK is already talking about 3%, uh, you know, and um, obviously if Trump gets in power then, uh, you know, obviously NATO's going to be under a lot of pressure to survive to meet that 2% as a minimum. So so I think, um, you know, the the world is very much clear that uh, people are going to have to spend more money on uh, on arms. A lot of it's high technology, a lot of it's cyber warfare. I mean, even on the cyber warfare, you, you talk about a ground ground war, you know, we're already in a cyber war. You know, uh, that that's going on every day, every day of the week. And... Uh, you know, that's a big, really interesting area. And uh, NATO, over 50% of NATO's holdings are in the cyberspace. So, uh, so yeah, no, I think, unfortunately, that's that's uh, going to be a uh, a constant, uh, uh, you know, thing in people's minds. And, you know, NATO, I think, gives a really good hedge to people. Uh, gold is a great, really good hedge for it as well. But I think NATO's a really good hedge for uh, for that sort of uh, outcome in your portfolio. But But even if there isn't a war, I think people are still going to prepare for one anyway.
0: Now, Hector, the last thing that I want to come on to today, as if we haven't talked about enough uh, wonderfully cheerful topics already, is the tough start to the year that we've seen, especially for the FTSE 100. Wednesday, it took a real dive, especially I think down a percent and a half, really looking pretty green around the gills at the moment. But in a lot of my conversations with people around the market, I see that there are points of light out there. I think uh, AI is, is growing well in London, a few other things as well. And my sense from what you're doing there is that you're very much in the more futuristic end of the London market for things, and so I wanted to get the sense of whether you guys are suffering from the fact that London seems to be a little bit underperforming at the moment, or if you even think that my whole hypothesis might be nonsense. What do you think?
1: Look, I think uh, no, I think you you nailed on. I think um, you know London. I think has been suffering a little bit, you know, by the uh, you know pretty pretty small rise in inflation uh, last last month, uh, which I think was unexpected. Uh, a lot of it driven by uh, bizarrely enough by uh, by duty on on alcohol, uh, which uh, clearly has had an impact. Um, you know, but I think the markets had gone for a good trot last year. You know, and I think maybe there's a little bit of profit taking, maybe a little bit softening. You know, uh, there are some question marks over economic activity. I don't think the FTSE was purely a, a domestic story either. You know, there was some bit of a pullback globally as well. Uh, but you know, I think uh, you know, I think we'll see. That corrects itself pretty quickly, and I think uh, you know inflation's coming down. Interest rates will follow. You know, a bit more consumer consumer confidence will come through. You know, I think where where I think is interesting for clients is 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 broadening out in the tech exposure. You know, I think that I think growth equity is gonna gonna have a bit of a run this year, and I think they need to move away from the magnificent seven. You know, to a broader play. I mean, we have a equal weighted uh, tech products, uh, iTech and uh, SKYY and Digi. Uh, you know, focus on the sort of mega trends, the uh, the cloud technology space. I think that's where you need to go. Uh, you need to go on an equal weighted basis where you're broadening out from just the uh, the you know the massive companies. I mean, the ridiculous scenario now Apple's bigger than uh, the FTSE 100, right? So uh, you know, it's uh, it's an index of its own in a way uh, is, is is Apple. But um, so I think um, I think there's uh, some areas to play there. But you know, I I just think it's a little bit of uh, you know, uh, New Year's uh, Eve hangover, maybe, you know, and uh, but we'll see that
0: recover pretty quickly, I think. Well, that'll be great. We'll, We'll keep our eyes peeled, Hector. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Best of luck out there. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Thomas. Really appreciate it.